this morning I want to uh, I want to introduce Brother Miles McKee, and I want to do it in the Romans style, the Book of Romans. As I'm teaching through this, I found it very interesting that when Paul wrote to the Romans, he started with Paul, and how that would have been so huge for you to receive a letter that the Apostle Paul was sending you. But then Paul did something that is, I haven't ever seen it done at a conference yet. Every conference you go to, people talk about all the accolades that people have been through, that they've accomplished in their Christian ministry. But Paul doesn't open Romans up like that. He opens it up with Paul, a servant of Christ, a slave of Christ. And as I've just got to visit with Miles in the last night and this morning, i just like to introduce Miles McKee, a slave of Christ, called to church planting in, in Ireland and in Texas. We know that place needs it bad, right? Um, he also it works with church planters in Nepal, in Myanmar, and in Burma. And if I understood it right, they do a lot of training there, teaching men, to, raising up pastors to go out and do the work. Uh, Miles, he became a believer in 1972. So, Brett, wherever you're at, you're probably not the oldest guy in here today. You can rejoice in that. Uh, Miles is married to a, a lovely lady named Jillian. I haven't actually met her, but I've seen their pictures on Facebook, and she looks very happy to be with him. I don't know if he forces her to smile or what, but he's had two children. He has one grandson. And uh, I want to say this real quick. Over on this little table we set up this morning, Miles has written three books. And I would encourage you to, 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 to get some of these. The two larger books, just in size, um, they're $10 a piece. And then the small one in the middle is $5. And I want, I want to say this. If you are a, especially if you're a new believer or you're just at the, you know, you're, you may not be a believer, but you're got a lot of questions that small book there is i would highly recommend it i would recommend all of them but i've read that and and it's something that we want to purchase for our church that when we do evangelism and such so with all that being said i'd like for brother miles it's time for you to come on up brother good morning everyone everybody glad to be here of course well, I'm glad to be here, and it's nice to see smiling faces out there. Uh, as Brother Ronnie said, my name is Miles McKee. I uh, have been in ministry for many years, and still growing in grace. Haven't arrived. <laughs> uh, still need the gospel every day, literally every day. Because, you know, our default nature is law and legalism and trying to work to impress God. And it doesn't work. It slaves us. So I try to sit under the gospel every day. The good news of all that Christ has done for us and on our behalf. And this morning I, I want to speak uh, out of one simple text. But I want to look at that text and discover one very famous little word. So I'm going to actually be speaking ultimately on one word. Now, before I do that, I would like to, uh, you, you got a few details about what I'm doing, but so that you understand where I'm coming from, I'll tell you a little bit 
about what my ministry, what we're doing in the ministry. Oh, that's all right with you. And I won't keep you long on that, but a missions report, if you like. I'm from Ireland and uh, have been involved in ministry for many years in planting churches, especially amongst Roman Catholic people. And uh, through the years, my ministry developed uh, through a, a piece I write each week called The Wednesday Word. I got the idea. God gave me the idea. I didn't ever think it was God gave me the idea, but I just said, let me just start doing this. And I started sending out to a few friends, and that now has, mailing list has grown to uh, coming up to 3,000 people now get this Wednesday word. And somehow or other people in India started getting it and got in touch with me and uh, I went out to India and started doing Bible conferences, and um, then Nepal opened up. And, uh, these are all Hindu countries. India is a Hindu country. But through time, we identified people who loved the gospel. Now, I want to tell you about India. India is full of the word of faith message. There's lots and lots of professed Christians over there, but they're very poorly taught. And the same we could say for Nepal. And uh, what happened, How? No, I'll just let you know this, how Nepal opened up for us for the gospel. And we now have up to 400 pastors that we're feeding the gospel to up in Nepal. But it started in a very simple way. There was a friend of mine from, I'm, I'm hitting something, let's see, hold on. That's, that's better, Okay. There was a friend of mine from Memphis, and he's a hiker, and he was out, he went out to the Himalayas to hike, and he met this pastor, a local pastor, who has a little uh, training institute, a Bible training institute, and they got to talk, and they became friends, and they kept in touch, and my friend in Nashville, or Nashville, Memphis, he um, started sending the Wednesday word out to this one guy in Nepal, and then the guy from Nepal introduced himself to me, wrote to me, emailed me, and he said, hey, uh, could you send me, just in case uh, the brother in Nashville, in uh, Memphis, he, in case he forgets this. So I said, sure. We put him on the list, and he started getting the Wednesday word. And then he wrote to me again. He says, I see you're coming to India to such and such a place to do a conference. Could I join you on the road traveling? And I said, come ahead. So he came down, and we ministered together, and well, he didn't do the ministry, but he came with us, and we traveled, and we had meetings, and when we got back to where his flight was going to be from in Hyderabad, he said, hey, would you come to Nepal and teach us? I said, sure. Now, will you hear what he said? We know nothing about the finished work. We have never been taught about the finished work. This is a pastor. This is a guy with a Bible training institute. He didn't know that it was finished. That's the all he'd been taught was do and try and make a better effort and you better done it. That's all he knew. Or name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Just no gospel. Did you know when Christ hung upon the cross and said, it is finished, you know what he meant? He meant it is finished. Redemption has been accomplished. Isn't that wonderful? I just get a little bit excited about the gospel. You don't mind, do you? 
I do sell earphones, uh, earmuffs that down at my table. No. <laughs> so we've seen Nepal opening up. Every week, the uh, Wednesday word is translated into the local language and sent out via email. And these pastors are getting it. Hundreds of pastors are getting it. Uh, in India, there's pastors networks. Each there, There's networks of pastors all over. And we have two, at least, that I know of, two networks of 60 pastors each. They are getting the Wednesday word in their language. It's translated into their language. And they teach it to 60 pastors every week. It's also going into China. There's a brother who translates it in, I haven't been to China yet, but he translates the Wednesday word into Mandarin, and it goes out every week to 36,000 people there. So we're just watching it grow. By the way, if you want to get on the Wednesday word, it's free. All I need is your email. In fact, I'd start passing that around. You don't have to get on. If you want to get on, would you take charge of getting that around? Just... and. Uh, It'll come out to you free of charge. Thanks for the plug on the books. That's one of the way we support our ministry, our faith ministry. If uh, God's people don't back us, we are not backed. Simple as that. And one of the ways we get uh, some exposure is those books. But those books, we have tremendous testimonies. They're all gospel-centered, finished work-centered. And one of them's on the deity of Christ, which is one of the most vital doctrines. Well, all, all vital doctrines are vital. But the Christians know that Jesus is God. That's vital. You know, I've talked to so many people. You're a believer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, so you believe Jesus is God. Well, no, he's the son of God. Have you ever thought like that? Yeah, he's, he's the son of God. No, is he the mighty God? Well, no, no, he's the son of God. And you're a Christian? No, you're not. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't know who the one who saved you is, he is the God-man in theological terms, the hypostatic union. He's fully God. He's fully man. That book that I have there on the deity of Christ will explain a lot of that, and uh, there's a lot more to come on that subject. So listen, enough of the advertisements. Here we go. Let's go to John 3.16. John 3.16. Father, help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Shut us in with yourself, Lord. Move amongst us by your Spirit. Open our understanding. Open our hearts, Lord, to know more of you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Pray, amen. John 3.16. Today we are going to encounter a very famous little word. And it's found in John 3.16. It's a very powerful word. Very famous word. And it's just a simple little word of one syllable. Oh yeah, but it's an amazingly powerful word. One syllable or not. And... The fact is that if this truth, if this one word grabs a hold of you, you will be transformed. You really will be transformed. This one little, tiny little word. Now, John 3.16, we're breaking into an interview, a nocturnal 
interview between Jesus and Nicodemus. This is the original Nick at night. This is his interview with Jesus. And Jesus says some interesting things to him. He says in this interview, he says, you know, you must be born again. Does anybody agree with that? You must be born again. <laughs> you better believe it. If you People say, are you a Christian? Yeah. Are you a born-again Christian? Well, is there any other type of Christian but a born-again Christian? If you're not born again, you're not a Christian. I mean, it's as simple as that. So, it's um, Jesus said, you must be born again. In the same interview, he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must. He's talking about himself being lifted up. I must be lifted up. You must be born again. Oh, preacher, is that is that the famous little word you're going to speak about? No, <laughs> it's a good word. It's a great word. That's a lovely word. Forever to enter the kingdom of heaven, we've got the kingdom of God. We've got to be born again. But God, here we go. So love the world. Wait a minute. Back up. Love. He loved. Is that the word? He loved, oh, that's a great word, isn't it? Isn't it a great thing to know that you're loved by God? What a great word. It speaks volumes to us to know that God loves us. Wow. Love, that's great. You know, in the scripture, there's three words. Well, there's not in scripture. There's three words for love. Basically, eros, which is erotic love, and that's never used in the New Testament. And then there's phileo, which is friendship, the kind of love that comes through a friendship. And then there's this third amazing, marvelous love, which is agapo, agape, love from God, heavenly love, precious, heavenly, heaven-sent love, agapo, divine love. It's not human love. What a wonderful word this love is. So is that the word? No, no, we're not going to speak about love. <laughs> no, no. God's okay. God, wait a minute. God's alone. The world. There we go. World. One syllable word. I was just down in Alabama and something came up about, I was saying one syllable word. And the fellow said, that's a two syllable word. <laughs> the word? The world? No. World. <laughs> God, that's, hey. <laughs> Truth is stranger than fiction, I'll tell you. So, God so loved the world. It's a great word. In the Greek language, it is cosmos. God so loved the cosmos, the created order of things, everything in its place. And uh, did you know that all of us have experienced that love today, whether we have felt it or not? Did you know that... He is upholding all things by the word of his power. And if he wasn't doing that, that's Hebrews 1 verse 3. If he wasn't doing that, there would be absolute chaos. Do you know we're breathing today? You're breathing today because of the love of God. You don't have to love God to have air. There's seeds planted and the farmers grow the food and you get to eat them and I get to eat it. Regardless of whether we love God or not, there's a cosmos, there's a created order of things. But there's more. This word... World means more than that. It's wonderful. It's a huge word. It's uh, not just a national love. God loves the world. You see, in Old Testament days, he was in covenant with one, per one, one people, and that was Israel. 
And now he, he says, he's saying, God so loved the world, not just the Jews. They're not the only ones, the favor of God. From now on, it's going to the whole world. It's going to every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. It's wonderful, isn't it? So he loves the whole world. That means he's died for everybody. No. No, 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 no. Listen, if Jesus has died for everybody, Whoever lived, then Jesus is the greatest cosmic failure ever. What do you mean? I mean this. It's an insult to say that Jesus died for every single person. An insult? Yes, it's an insult to the Master, to the Savior. Why? Well, if you're saying he died for every individual who ever lived... If that person doesn't get saved, they're going to hell. They're going to the lake of fire. And are you telling me that Jesus' blood was poured out for a person who's going to end in the lake of fire? How insulting to Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he effectually paid, bought and paid for those he died for. And he loved the world. Not just the Jewish folks. He loved the Gentile folks. He even loved the Irish folks. <laughs> we were included in that. Not every individual, but the world. I'm sure you're well taught on that. God gave us a Savior. Could I ask you a wee question? Do you love him? You know, my answer to that is yes, but I don't love him enough. I wish I loved him more. Would you get like that? But I do love him. Oh, I fail him, but I do love him. God so loved the world. So God so loved the world that he gave, gave. That's the word, isn't it? You're going to speak on gave. (laughs) Well, that's a great word. God's the giver. Did you know that? He gives salvation. He's a great giver. He's not the taker. Where did we get this idea of God the taker? God gives freely, gives. He gives salvation. By the way, um, I don't want to offend anybody, but if you think the way to get saved is to help somebody to get saved, give God your heart. No, he's not the taker. He's the giver. We are the receivers. We are saved by grace plus nothing. Nada. Zilch. Grace alone. God gives salvation. Oh, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I'm a giver. This is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Have you received salvation as a free gift? Well, bro- brother, I did this. I, uh, I walked, uh, walked, I raised my hand. I, I, I got baptized. I walked. So what? Listen, have you received the free gift of the righteousness of Christ? Of Christ as your Savior? Otherwise, you're in the law. You're in the do, in the performance. 
performing to get something from God. The gospel makes it because it is finished, we don't have to perform. <laughs> you like to say hallelujah in Oklahoma, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, that's worth a hallelujah. What do you do then? You believe. Well, it's not doing something. No, believing is a gift. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on, not in. Any donkey can believe in. It's on. Rest on Him. Trust on Him alone. He gave. Gives us salvation. Doesn't demand that we give Him anything. Salvation. Why do we need salvation? Well, we've been hearing the truth that we're sinners. And every sinner needs a Savior. Definitely needs a sinner because it is appointed on the man one time to die and afterwards the judgment. Did you hear that? One time there's no reincarnation. It is appointed. Appointed. God's made an appointment. It's an appointment you will keep. And I will keep. And afterwards the judgment. You see, God is a just God. God is a holy God. Oh, I I wish that we understood how holy he is. And he's a loving God, but he hates sin. He's just and he's holy. And he must punish sin. And I'm a sinner for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you're a sinner. And let me tell you this. You will be punished for your sins unless there's a substitute that can be found. Somebody could be found who could... All our sins be put onto him, and in our place he could die. But the trouble is, trouble is, where do you get such a person as that? A savior. <laughs> well, we'll be looking at that the farther we bring this message. But God loves us so much that he gave us a substitute. He loved us so much that he gave us the savior. Gave. Great word. But that's not the word we want to speak about. <laughs> God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. There's a great word, begotten. Wow, begotten. That's a strange word in some ways. But could I say this? That one of the great meanings of begotten. Now, can I, an Irish man, give you an English lesson? Is that all right? <laughs> begotten means unique. And when something is unique, it means it is the only one of its kind. So you cannot, it's an impossibility in English to say, oh, that's more unique than that. Oh, that's the uniquest thing I've ever seen. Nothing can be uniquest because unique is unique. It's the only one of its kind. Jesus is unique. He's not one of many Christs. He's unique. He's not uniquer than Buddha. He's unique. He's unique. Look at his birth, his virgin birth. Unique. It's the only one of his kind. Unique. That God came from heaven and impregnated a little Hebrew teenage girl. It's unique. Do you believe that, brother? I believe. Jesus is unique. Look at him. He's sinless. That's unique. 
Violating the first commandment. Oh, listen to me. Jesus is unique. He never sinned. Holy, harmless. Separate from sinners. Unique. Jesus is unique. The only begotten of the Father. The Father said, this is, this is, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hey, do you know something? He never said that about me. Because he couldn't. And he couldn't say it about you. Oh, now, by the way, let, let, let's not get confused. He can speak it about you in Christ. In Christ. You have a new identity. In Christ, you are perfect. In Christ, you are righteous. In Christ, you are set apart. But in you, he couldn't have said that. But he could have said it about Christ. And notice how he always uses superlatives. When he comes to describing the Lord Jesus, he didn't say, this is my son in whom I am pleased. He said, this is my Beloved Son, in whom I am not just pleased, I'm well pleased. Oh, you are saved by a unique Savior. He's wonderful. But that's not the word we're going to speak about. (laughs) Okay? Even though he is the unique one who conquered death, he went to the cross for his people and he conquered death. We're going to speak about a different word. So let's look at this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay. You want to know what the word is? Nobody wants to know? Okay, I'm going home. Yeah, anybody? What's the word? You would like to hear it? One little word. So. God. So. What a powerful little word. Charles Spurgeon said, never so much has so much meaning be compressed into such a small space as in that famous little word. And that's where I got the title for the message. A famous little word. Thank you, Mr. Spurgeon. God so loved, not just God loved, God so loved the world. In other words, God loved To such an astonishing, an outstanding degree that he gave us Jesus. That's how much he loves you. He's given you Jesus. If you're a believer, God so loved the world. Astonishing, outstanding. 
What a heavenly little word this word so is. And let's bring it down to earth. If you'd like to turn to Ephesians 3, 18 to 19. Ephesians 3, 18 to 19. And we're going to bring it down to earth here. And see what Paul, if he can help us understand this just a little bit. A little bit more. Ephesians 3, 18 to 19. Okay, and he's, we're breaking in that uh, you could start reading from verse 16, that he would grant you the according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God, we're going to leave that reading there. It's powerful, so much in every verse. But Paul, he speaks about the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. And when we look at the word love, we realize there's a breadth to it. There's a length to it. There's a depth to it. There's a height to it. How broad, how broad is the love of God? Well, look at the cross. Can you see the cross? Jesus is outstretched. Look at that for breadth. He's outstretched upon the cross. There's a welcome there, isn't there? Come all, ye that are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come on. He's not got clenched fish, uh, fists up there on the cross. He's not threatening anybody. There's no threats from the cross. He doesn't threaten you from the cross. He says, you're welcome. Oh, look at that for breath. Outstretched arms. Come to me out of every tribe and nation and kindred and tongue. Come to the cross. There's a level playing field at the cross. No one ever perished at the foot of the cross. Maybe you're not a believer and you're listening to me. Come to Christ right now. Trust him right now. Put your confidence in him right now. Come to him as a sinner. Say, Lord, you know I've messed up. But I believe he died for sinners. Receive me, Lord. I thank you that you so loved that you gave me Jesus. And so we may know the breadth and the length of his love. You know, the test of love is to what extent it's, it's, it's going to go and sacrifice. And uh, we demonstrate our love by the length we'll go for the, to the other person. I was reminded of a story about an Irishman, and he was texting his girlfriend, and, and he said this. He says, darling, he says, I would climb the highest mountain for you. And then he continues, and I would walk across the wilderness just to be with you. And then he's texting away. He said, and I'd swim the deepest oceans just to see you. And I'll be round to pick you up tomorrow night. That is if it's not raining. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Irish love. Love, true love, inconveniences inconveniences itself. A love that will not sacrifice is not love. Love will sacrifice. And do you want to know the length 
of this love. You'll find it. I'll read it to you. Romans 5. Romans 5 and verses 6 to 8. For when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the godly. Oh, did I say something wrong? No, no. No, I did. Yeah. Oh, for in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly. There's no one here needs to be in despair. He died for the ungodly. You say, I'm not godly. Hey, you're a candidate. He died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. For us. Oh, he so loves us. He so loves you. Now, here's the thing. Can you say that to yourself? Oh, you say, I I know. He's got to love the pastor. The pastors. What about you? Does he love you? Oh, and he, he, he must love brother such and such because he's so set apart. Does he love you? Well, well. Ooh, I'm not sure about that. Well, we need to be sure about that. Otherwise, we're attacking redemption. If Jesus is our substitute, is he a good substitute? If Jesus died on the cross, did he really die for us? The Son of God loved me, said Paul, and he gave his life for me. This has got to be personal, beloved. Personal. I challenge you this afternoon. Talk to yourself and say, God so loved me that he gave me Jesus. Name yourself. Look in the mirror if you have to. Tell yourself this. Preach the gospel to yourself. But all the great things of redemption. But I must move on. There's yes, there's the length, but he so loved us. And there's the depth of his love. We sang it today. How deep the Father's love for us. What is that? How deep beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make this rich, his treasure. Wow. How deep the Father's love. (coughs) Oh, love thy bottomless abyss, my sins are swallowed up in thee. And when we trust in Christ as our Savior, we discover, discover that our sins are actually forgotten. They're cleansed. They're forgiven. God's so loved with a depth of love. And this love began at the throne of grace, the throne of God, and it plunged all the way to, to, to the manger in Bethlehem and then all the way on to Calvary. He so loved us. This is not accidental. You're not saved by accident. This is God's purpose and plan. And he's calling out a people unto himself. And he's so loved. Jews and Gentiles. He's so loved that he gave. Isn't he wonderful? I don't know why we don't jump over chairs more often. I tell you. <laughs> oh, He's so loved. And then there's the height of his love. He so loved us that we will have we have eternal life let me tell you this if God forbid I should drop dead now do you know where I'm headed 
I'm headed to be wherever Jesus is. I just call it heaven. We said, brother, you you must be a very good man to know that. No, I'm not a very good man. My goodness, let me tell you, if you knew me the way that I know me, you wouldn't listen to me. But here, before you get too smug, (laughs) if I knew you the way you know you, I wouldn't even speak to you. (laughs) I wouldn't have nothing to do with you. I'm not a very good man, but I've got a very good Savior. I want to be a better man. I want to live for his glory. But I fail him. And he kicks me out. Then I have to prove that I'm worthy. No! Away with such nonsense. Amen. Got eternal life because Christ died for me. He so loved me that he went to the cross. Brother, I don't believe that. I believe that I can define God in nature. Really? That's interesting. You just wait long enough. You'll see what nature is really, really like. I'll tell you what. You'll discover that nature is filled with violence, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods. That's nature. God so loved the world that he gave us nature. Away with such twaddle. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. He gave us the Savior. He gave us the substitute. Oh, yes. The cross of Christ, the Christ of the cross, is the revelation of the love of God. God so loved us that he gave us Jesus. Will you come to him this morning? Would you trust him this morning? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you rest on him? Rest your weary soul on him? Yes, there's the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. We see something in those words of the soul. He so loves us. I'm going to finish with a wee story. Do you know in the days of the Old West, they had the medicine man who traveled around, and he was some guy, and he always had the elixir, and then he had an assistant. Well, a couple of guys in Ireland, they decided they would try the medicine man routine, you see? So they got their covered wagon. Oh, this is back in the 1930s or 40s, you know? And So anyway, uh, this man, he stands up on the platform, the doctor, and he says, come here to me, come here. That's the way, uh, Ron, down in Cork, they'll go like, ah, come here, to, ah, come on, come, come here to me. The crowd gathered, he said, do you see this little bottle? This is the gift of God. This will give you length of days beyond understanding and comprehension. You'll have length of days. I have been drinking from this, from this elixir for this last 320 years. And you can buy it for such and such and such. Well, there's this big old cork farmer. Uh, he's a bit puzzled by this. So he goes over to the assistant. Come here to me, boy. Come here. Come here to me, boy. Yes, sir. Is he telling us the truth that he's been 
drinking this out, drinking that stuff for 350 years. I says, sir, I, I, I wouldn't have any way of verifying that, for I've only worked for him for 130 years. <laughs> of course, the whole thing is exaggeration. But when I read John 3.16, I know there is no exaggeration. God so loved Miles McKinney that he gave his only begotten son. He gave. What a God he is. He's a giver. He's not a taker. He's not a demander. He gave. Would you trust him today? Would you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today? His love for us is astonishing. Astonishing. He loved us to such a degree that he gave us Jesus. That's not exaggeration. That's the gospel truth. Amen.